Hello, my name is Jayama, and you're listening to Unpurified, the Ramblings of a Black Queer Christian. Today, uh, for this episode of the podcast, um, I wanted to talk about slavery and, like, the Bible and, like, slavery in relationship to Christianity and, like, American chattel slavery and, like, how does the Bible view slavery, how does God view slavery, And I just wanted to clear up some things about, you know, what it was during those times and, like, how it's viewed today and just questions in general. So, yeah, that will be the topic for this episode. It's probably going to be long. (laughs) I have a lot to talk about. There's a lot to go over, so please bear with me for that. But um, yeah, let's get into it. Okay, so to start this off, um, I wanted to talk about um, a post that's on my website. I made a blog post about this topic um, last year on my website. And if you go to my website called thebibleisinclusive.com, um, I pin the post to the top, so it should be the first post that you see when you uh, log into the website. Um, Sorry if you can hear those dogs in the background. They're super loud. But um, if you log into thebibleisinclusive.com, this should be the first post. And a lot of what is in that post I'm going to talk about today. And... Yeah, it doesn't have everything that I'm going to speak on because I feel like I've learned more information since then about this. But if you don't have the time to listen to this or like you can't, you know, you're in a situation where you can't listen to the whole thing, there is a written post about this as well. So, all right. (laughs) So, um, to start off, I know that a lot of people uh know how Christianity has been used in America at least um and probably most of the world to sort of oppress people um to enslave people to um you know hurt people to to use as justification for genocide to use as justification for um, enslavement, justification for manifest destiny, and just garbage, garbage, terrible, horrid ideas. And, you know, slavery is also one of the things that, you know, Christianity in those times have, like, tried to justify. And, For, like, a really long time, this, like, issue of slavery was, like, one of the hindrances for me to, like, get back into Christianity when I left. And it was just, it's, you know, like, it's, I am personally affected by slavery, Um, you know, my parents on both sides are descendants of American chattel slavery. 
we try to look into our ancestry and we can't even really see most of my family history because of slavery and it's huge it's a big thing it affects a lot of people it's the reason why uh so many black people are disconnected from africa why so many black people don't know what country we come from because we just got stolen off the shores and no one told us who we were and they intentionally you know erased our history in order to uh oppress us to subdue us and you know they forced a lot of black people to convert to christianity and try to act like this was something that god was okay with and they tried to act like it was god ordained or god approved and it's not <laughs> and also Okay, actually, you know, before I even get ahead of myself, let's start with reading all of the slave laws that are in Exodus chapter uh, 21 uh, verses uh, 1 through 11, uh, 20 through 21, and oh my goodness. 20 through 21 and 26 through 27. Okay, so starting with the top, uh, it says, Give the Israelites the following laws. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve you for six years. In the seventh year, he is to be set free without having to pay anything. If he was unmarried when he became your slave, he is not to take a wife with him when he leaves. But if he is married when he became your slave, he may take his wife with him. If his master gave him a wife and she bore him sons or daughters, the woman and her children belong to the master, and the man is to leave by himself. But if the slave declares that he loves his master, his wife, and his children, and does not want to be set free, then his master shall take him to the place of worship. There he is to make him stand against a door or doorpost and put a hole through his ear. Then he will be his slave for life. If a man sells his daughter as a slave, she is not to be set free as the male slaves are. If she is sold to someone who intends to make her his wife, but he doesn't like her, then she is to be sold back to her father. Her master cannot sell her to foreigners because he has treated her unfairly. If a man buys a female slave to give to his son, he is to treat her like a daughter. If a man takes a second wife, he must continue to give his first wife the same amount of food and clothing and the same rights that she had before. If he does not fulfill these duties to her, he must set her free and not receive any payment. Verses 20 through 21 states, If a slave owner takes a stick and beats his slave, whether male or female, and the slave dies on the spot, the owner is to be punished. But if the slave does not die for a day or two, the master is not to be punished. The loss of his property is punishment enough. And Exodus 21, uh, 26 through 27 says, If someone hits his male or female slave in the eye and puts it out, he is to free the slave as payment for the eye. 
If he knocks out a tooth, he is to free the slave as payment for the tooth. Okay, so to put some context into um, these scriptures, this um, set of uh, rules and, you know, things for the Israelites was given to the Israelites after they had um, escaped the bondage of slavery. So if any of you, you know, know the context of the Bible, the Bible starts off with, you know, Adam and Eve uh, in the Garden of Eden, you know, they sin, they bite of the fruit, they sin and they bring, you know, sin to everyone else. So they leave the Garden of Eden, they like had uh, ruined, you know, the or original relationship with God and because of that then they had received the old covenant which is defined by the old testament so then when Jesus comes later and how he dies for our sins then that's when we get the new covenant or the new testament so Exodus is in the old testament this is under the old covenant and during this period of time uh this was when uh, Jews or Christians at the time, but like, you know, Israelites, Jews, believers of God during this period in the old covenant, um, had to follow laws in order to have right standing with God. So this is during the old covenant. This is also after the Israelites had gone through slavery. So at the start of Exodus, uh, the Israelites are uh, <laughs> they are inbound. They are uh, slaves to Pharaoh. So the Pharaoh had enslaved the Israelites. Um, and so this is literally after Moses had freed them from slavery they have gone through slavery already. So this is a people who have been through enslavement. Uh, this is a people who know what it's like, who know what it feels like to, you know, lit like literally they were slaves. <laughs> like <laughs> they had personal experience with this. And uh, slavery in the Old Testament was not supposed to be the way that they experienced it or the way that you know, African Americans experienced it in, you know, before the start of America, because during this time period, slavery was a voluntary act. Slavery uh, in this time was something more similar to um, indentured servitude. It was something um, that was used to pay off debts, to buy food, maybe to avoid homelessness. It was like a way for women during this time period to like be cared for, which is what explains, you know, like women, like the men would be able to be free after six years, but the woman wouldn't be able to be free during that time period because women 
weren't allowed to have jobs. So it was like either you were married or you were a slave and that was it. <laughs> and if you weren't either of those things, you were homeless and you were probably going to die. And that's just the straight up facts. So it was like women during this time period didn't have, you know, many options. So it was like, girl, either you married or you dead. <laughs> so they're saying that women aren't going to be freed because uh, God wanted to make sure that the women during this time period were also cared for because they did not have the same rights as men to be able to provide for themselves. So that kind of explains the, uh, you know, sort of, like, it seems misogynistic if you don't understand the context. So that was actually a protection for women so that they could be provided for their whole lives. And the way that... um Slavery, like, uh, during this time period was, um, a voluntary act can be explained before, um, the Israelites were enslaved. There was the story of Joseph. Okay. So to explain the story of Joseph, uh, to give you, you know, like a little bit of background, Joseph, uh, had like either 11 or 12 brothers, he was sold into slavery uh, uh, and was sent to Egypt, like sold into slavery in Egypt. He wasn't from Egypt. He got sold into slavery and taken to Egypt. And uh, during that time period, uh, he was a slave. Then after that, he was uh, thrown in jail for a long period of time. Uh, they found out that he could interpret dreams. He um, ended up interpreting the dream of the Pharaoh of Egypt. And because he interpreted his dream, the Pharaoh promoted him to be the second in command. And the dream that Joseph interpreted was a prediction foretelling you know of uh there was going to be seven years of plenty in Egypt and then after that there was going to be seven years of famine and so he had told them that they needed to store up the food from the years of plenty to cover over the years of famine and so at this point in the story uh it's, this is Genesis uh, 47. This is during uh, the years of famine. So Genesis 47, 13 through 25 says, The famine was so severe that there was no food anywhere, and the people of Egypt and Canaan became weak with hunger. As they bought grain, Joseph collected all the money and took it to the palace. When all the money in Egypt and Canaan was spent, the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Don't let us die. Do something. Our money is all gone. Joseph answered, Bring your livestock and I will give you food in exchange for it if your money is all gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. That year he supplied them with food in exchange for all of their livestock. 
The following year they came to him and said, We will not hide the fact from you, sir, that our money is all gone and our livestock belongs to you. There is nothing left to give you except our bodies and our lands. Don't let us die. Do something. Don't let our fields be deserted. Buy us and our land in exchange for food. We will be the king's slaves, and he will own our land. Give us grain to keep us alive and seed so that we can plant in our fields. Joseph bought all of the land in Egypt and for the king. Every Egyptian was forced to sell his land because the famine was so severe, and all the land became the king's property. Joseph made slaves of people from one end of Egypt to the other. The only land he did not buy was that that belonged to the priests. They did not have to sell their lands because the king gave them an allowance to live on. Joseph said to the people, You see, I have now bought you in your lands for the king. Here is seed for you to sow in your fields. At the time of harvest, you must give one-fifth to the king. You can use uh, the rest for seed and for food for yourselves and for your families. And they answered, You have saved our lives. You have been good to us, sir, and we will be the king's slaves. So this goes to show that, you know, slavery was voluntary. It was something that people did to pay off debts or to buy food or, you know, to get themselves out of homelessness, out of losing their houses, out of losing you know, the things that they needed to survive. And another example is this, is by one of the rules in Exodus 21. And Exodus twenty one sixteen states that whoever kidnaps someone, either to sell him or to keep him as a slave, is to be put to death. So this shows that, you know, you're, you're not allowed to, to do what the colonizers in America did and steal people from Africa to sell them into slavery. Like, that's not okay. And another way that you can tell that slavery was voluntary is shown in Deuteronomy 23, 15 through 16. And that states, if slaves run away from their owners and come to you for protection, do not send them back. They may live in any of your towns that they choose, and you are not to treat them harshly. So this also shows that slavery was voluntary because if someone ran away because they didn't like the way they were being treated or, you know, they just didn't want to be a slave anymore, they had to protect them and they couldn't send them back and they were supposed to, you know, treat them nicely and not be mean to them and treat them fairly and equally. And another example of slavery not being the same as, you know, American chattel slavery is in the book of Esther. And in this book, Esther, um, she was like a regular degular girl. She was chosen to be the queen of the king like he wanted a new wife they literally searched the whole land (laughs) for women she was picked out of you know all the girls and um she was jewish and one of the king's advisors had a plot to um commit a genocide against jewish people 
and she had found out about it and she uh told the king and so this is esther 7 3 through 4 and it says queen esther answered if it please your majesty to grant my humble request my wish is that i may live and that my people may live my people and i have been sold for slaughter if it were nothing more serious than being sold into slavery, I would have kept quiet and not bothered you about it. But we are about to be destroyed, exterminated. So this shows that, like, slavery was completely different. <laughs> and, like, this was something that, like, if if she heard that somebody was plotting to make them slaves, like, it wasn't going to be that big of a deal for her. Like it wasn't something to be bothered or even tell the king that this was happening. But because it, they were trying to commit a genocide, then she, she knew that she had to speak up. So basically slavery in the Bible was a voluntary act that we used to pay off debts, get food, avoid homelessness. Uh, they could only serve for six years, and after that, they had to be set free, or they could stay if they wanted to, and women could stay and, you know, be able to be provided for their entire lives. Um, they could leave if they wanted to, and if they were to leave... They should. They could be able to go into any town that they wanted to. They were supposed to be treated fairly. They were not supposed to be sent back. And yeah, <laughs> it was, you know, supposed to be basically just, you know, like a business transaction, you know, something to, you know, you spend your time doing this is basically just like regular capitalism. We're essentially slaves. To that, you work, you sell yourself off for eight hours, you come home, you know, <laughs> you're able to pay for your car, your house, you know, things of that nature. It's supposed to be something like that and not, you know, the way that American chattel slavery is. It was a completely different system. And so that is what slavery was like in the Old Covenant and so now, let's get into what slavery was like in the New Covenant. Okay, so slavery is also mentioned in the New Testament of the Bible. And I believe that uh, during this time period, slavery was still, uh, you know, considered a voluntary act. Um, it's still you know, was used as a way to pay off debts and, you know, buy food, things of that nature, just, you know, basically, you know, like a nine to five. So there were also uh, verses in the New Testament and that talk about slavery. And in many occasions, you only see, you know, the people who try to act like the Bible condones slavery, they only talk about the verses that apply to slaves. But they never talk about the, the verses that apply to slave masters and people who, you know, 
had the ownership of the slaves, people who, you know, were the ones that were the heads of them. And these verses are uh, talking about a symbiotic relationship. Like it's, it's discussing relationships that are two ways and not just one way. Cause you always see like, Oh, slaves, you gotta, you know, work hard or whatever, like just have, you know, determination in your work and things of that nature. But it's like the masters are also given rules and how to treat slaves as well. And this can be seen in Ephesians 6, uh, 5 through 9. And this says, slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling. And if uh, y'all had seen the blog post that I made on my website, one of my previous blog posts, fear and trembling in the Bible uh, does not mean literal fear, does not mean actual, you know, scared, anxiety type of fear. Fear in this context within the Bible has to do with respect and, you know, humility and, you know, being, you know, respectful. Like, you know, like this says, like, the only person I fear is the Lord, which means like that you respect the Lord. You are, you know, you have manners. <laughs> so that's what that means. It's not like anxiety. So Yes, uh, slaves obey your human masters with fear and trembling, but meeting respect, and do it with a sincere heart as though you were serving Christ. Uh, Do this not only when they are watching you because you want to gain their approval, but with all your heart, do with God once as slaves of Christ. Do your work as slaves cheerfully as though you serve the Lord and not merely human beings. Remember that the Lord will reward each of us, whether slave or free, for the good work we do. Masters, behave in the same way towards your slaves and stop using threats. Remember that you and your slaves belong to the same master in heaven who judges everyone by the same standard. So this is telling, <laughs> you see, like, you you should do your work as unto the Lord. So like, if if you're doing work, don't try and do this uh, as a way to please a human being, but do your work as a way to please God, as a way of service unto God and not to a human being. And the masters, you know, you got to treat everybody the same too. You can't be threatening people. You got to remember that you and your slave both serve Jesus. Y'all got the same rules, the same stipulations as everybody else because y'all are y'all are equal. So let's not act as if we're not. <laughs> and so this can also be seen in, uh, let's see, uh, Colossians 3, uh, 22 to 25. So let's pull that up. And that says, slaves, obey your human masters in all things, not only when they are watching you because you want to gain their approval, but do it with a sincere heart because of your reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you are working for the Lord and not for people. See, 
And remember that the Lord will give you a reward as he has kept for his people. For Christ is the real master you serve, and all wrongdoers will be repaid for the wrong things they do, because God judges everyone by the same standard. So this is saying, you know, basically what I said earlier, like, you don't serve this human person, you are serving God. So, you know, there's that on that. And it's also in, what is this? First uh, Timothy 6, uh, verses 1 and 2. And this says, those who are slave, slaves must consider their masters worthy of all respect so that no one will speak evil of the name of God and of our teaching. Slaves belonging to Christian masters must not despise them, for they are believers too. Instead, they are to serve them even better, because those who benefit from their work are believers whom they love. And so, First Timothy, this uh, verse, these verses in First Timothy, um, are. Uh, I feel like these these ones may not be able to be. Um, let me say, like, well accepted for others who hear it. But again, if you understand the context, that slavery is a voluntary decision. And this does, like, I mean, these verses, I'm not going to lie, these verses do have a very respectability politics undertone to it, which is something that uh, I am working on <laughs> talking about it's in the works, but, uh, uh, this, during this, uh, era of Christianity, cause this is like acts, you know, first, the first church after Jesus type era. So they do have like a, um, they are worried about what people think in a grandiose scale, like in terms of how people view Christianity and how, uh, you know, Christians should act towards each other and all of that. But I mean, you know, there is also, you know, in the Bible, it says that you have to love your enemies and like be kind to those who are mean to you and like, you know, stuff that's like really hard to swallow, really hard to follow. So it's like, you know, very tough, hard lessons to learn that are like true, but it's like, you know, don't nobody want to hear that, (laughs) but it's still true at the end of the day. So, you know, that on that is just saying that, you know, slaves again should, you know, treat their, their work as unto the Lord and, you know, don't hate the people that you that you work for okay and they also talk about slavery in titus and that can be seen titus uh chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 and this says slaves are to submit themselves to their masters and please them in all things They must not talk back to them or steal from them. Instead, they must show that they are always good and faithful so as to bring credit to the teaching about God our Savior in all they do. 
For God has revealed his grace for the salvation of all people. And uh, with those, this one also like, you know, the word submit is always going to be something that's, that don't hit right with a lot of people because I feel like that word has kind of been colonized by you know colonization the patriarchy just very much like submit does not have the same (laughs) tone but also that word just kind of means like you follow them you know what I mean like you follow your masters you're not really trying to like uh be disrespectful towards them or steal from them you know you're just trying to show that you are a good worker and like you are a good worker because you follow a good worker you know like you because you follow Christ you behave like Christ even you know in hard times even you know in in good times or in bad times like you still follow the Lord and you behave like him so that's what I feel as though these verses are trying to come across and last but not least we can get into the book of Philemon and this is a great book that shows um uh that you know slaves and masters are considered equal in you know, the new covenant, the new Testament. And even in the old, like in the old Testament, they were considered equal, but there's sort of like, this is like pounding it, you know, in people's heads that, you know, they are the same. We are the same. There's nothing different between slave and free people, you know, male or female, slave or free, uh, you know, any of those things. And so this book uh, talks about uh, a, a slave who was, uh, I think they, they ran away from their master. Uh, they go to meet Paul. Uh, then he becomes converted to be a Christian through Paul. And then Paul sends him back and he wants his master to see him as a brother and not a slave. So this is a very short book. There's only 25 verses. And so it says, From Paul, a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy, to our friend and fellow worker Philemon and the church that meets in your house and our sister Pasia and our fellow soldier Archippus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Uh, Brother Philemon, every time I pray, I mention you and give thanks to my God. For I hear of your love for all of God's people and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus. My prayer is that our fellowship with you as believers will bring about a deeper understanding of every blessing which we have in our life in union with Christ. Your love, dear brother, has brought me great joy and much encouragement. You have cheered the hearts of all of God's people. For this reason, I could be bold enough as your brother in Christ in order to do what should be done. But because I love you, I make a request instead. 
I do this even though I am Paul, the ambassador of Christ Jesus, and at present also a prisoner for his sake. So I make a request to you on behalf of Onesimus, <laughs> who is my own son in Christ. For a while in prison, I have become his spiritual father. At one time, he was of no use to you, but now he is useful, both to you and me. I am sending him back to you now, and with him goes my heart. I would like to keep him here with me while I am in prison for the gospel's sake, so that he could help me in your place. However, I do not want to force you to help me. Rather, I would like for you to do it of your own free will. So I will not do anything unless you agree. It may be that Onesimus was away from you for a short time so that you might have him back for all time. And now he is not just a slave, but much more than a slave. He is a dear brother in Christ. How much he means to me. How much more will he mean to you, both as a slave and as a brother in the Lord? So if you think of me as my partner, welcome him back just as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to my account. Here, I will write this with my own hand. I, Paul, will pay you back. I should not have to remind you, of course, that you owe your very self to me. So, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake, as a brother in Christ, and cheer me up. I'm sure as I write this, you will do uh, what I asked. In fact, I know you would do even more. At the same time, get a room ready for me, because I hope that God will answer the prayers of all of you and give me back to you. Epirus, <laughs> who is in prison with me for the sake of Christ Jesus, send you his greetings. And so do my co-workers, Mark Carstius, Demas, and Luke. May the grace of Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And so basically Paul is asking, you know, the the slave owner to accept the slave back into his life and not only accept him as a slave, but as a brother in Christ Jesus and recognize that they are both equal and they are both serving the same God and they are both, you know, the same. They have the same things. They are, <laughs> you know, equal under Christ Jesus. So, yeah, that's... Uh, has like all of the examples in the New Testament where slavery is mentioned. Maybe there's more and I missed it and y'all could let me know if not, if I missed something. But basically, slavery in the Bible is a completely different context than uh, slavery in America. And... It was voluntary. Again, as I keep repeating, it was voluntary. It was used as a way to pay off debts, to to find a way to escape. And slaves and masters were supposed to be treated fairly, equally, were supposed to be provided for, was uh, not supposed to be dehumanized or treated harshly in any manner. And... Slavery in its current context, in the way that most people view it, uh, you know, in this day and age, is not acceptable. That was not uh, something that God would want for his people or thinks is okay. And 
Yeah. <laughs> and the way you can also tell that Christianity would never condone uh, slavery in the American context is through the fact that there were distinct different Bibles that they used for slaves versus regular Bibles. So they had slave Bibles that took out most of the the Old Testament. They took out about most of the New Testament, all the verses that talked about equality, and they took out the book of Revelation because that was referencing judgment upon those who were evildoers, people who treated people terribly, such as slave owners during that time. And they took out most of the verses that, you know, showed that this was not okay. And it's like, if if Christianity actually condoned something like this, then they wouldn't have to take so much out of it to try and prove that it does. So God is not okay with this. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, especially the fact that uh, so many people tried to use uh, scripture to try and um, act like this was okay. Especially not, the Bible states that you're not supposed to use his name for evil purposes. It also has verses in there that it's like, woe to those who confuse uh, good for evil and evil for good, uh, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So it's like, you know, clearly slavery in this context is a terrible, horrible thing that could be done to people. We're still, I mean, black people are still feeling the effects of it today. And so it's just like, obviously, this is not something that is God ordained or God approved or, you know, good in any context. So, you know, slavery was never acceptable. And I hope that after listening to this very long episode, <laughs> one of my longest episodes, that you see that... um you know, this, this was not okay. And what was done to, um, black people in America, my people was not okay, was not good in any context, was not right. So, you know, if you have any you know, reservations of coming to Christianity because of this. Just know that um, God and people are not the same. <laughs> you know, I can, I am supposed to be a representation of God. I do not always accurately represent God. So there are many people who do not accurately represent God. And so God is really the only person, like, you know, like, if you, if you want to get his opinion on things, you, you got to ask him, because if you think you can look towards human beings, you know, to see if God approves something or not, even if they say they're, they're, they're doing this in God's name, because we all, well, I know we all seen the Westboro Baptist Church, the KKK things of that nature where so many people will, will will claim that this is for God and they got no, they ain't got nothing to do with Jesus in it. 
God ain't nowhere near in their plans or in their hearts or in their minds. So it's like you have to separate that Christians are not God. (laughs) You know, like people who claim that they're Christians when they're not Christians are not God. So, you know, God is great. You know, God is good. He would never accept any of this harsh treatment. And, you know, I hope that this helped you and encouraged you and, you know, was good for you to hear. Thank you for listening uh, all the way to the end. And if you would like to find me on, you know, social media, um, I have a website called thebibleisinclusive.com. I have an Instagram that's like at thebibleisinclusive. I have a Twitter and the at is at (laughs) bibleinclusive. Um... I have a book, and it's called Who Told You That God Was Homophobic by me, Jayama Pearson. And it's on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, uh, Scribd, Kobo, uh, some other, you know, retail retailers. You know, you can go to the website to see all that stuff. And, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, I know this episode was super long, (laughs) so if you listen to the end, thank you. And yeah, I hope you have a great day, and be blessed.